This podcast is brought to you by the Toronto School of Management's NCA exam prep program. The TSM NCA prep program offers internationally trained lawyers courses taught by practicing lawyers in Canada, expertly designed study guides, exclusive networking opportunities with top Canadian law firms, and employability sessions arming you with all the tools you need in order to hit the ground running in your pursuit to practicing law in Canada. To find out more about the program, you can email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is episode 20 of our NCA series. My 20th guest is Valerie Fernandez-Salvan. Valerie is the founder of Ontario Bar Exam Courses, obeccourses.com, which helps domestic and international students and licensing candidates effectively prepare for Ontario's barrister and solicitor examinations. Formerly at Shopify, Valerie has been passionately teaching bar strategy for several years, and has worked with her team to help many students pass the exam. Through practice and competitive mooting, she has appeared before the Immigration and Refugee Board, the Ontario Court of Justice, and the International Criminal Court in the Netherlands. Valerie holds a JD from Osgoode Hall Law School with a specialization in litigation and dispute resolution, along with a BA from the University of Toronto. Hi, Valerie. Hi, Anton. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. For listeners, Valerie's, you know, we're starting to get into some unique guests and Valerie is another unique guest in that she is not necessarily an internationally trained lawyer, but she's very much entrenched in the space where we all occupy, which is preparing for exams, getting set for practice. So Valerie, I, I usually, I like to start podcasts by asking where you're from, um, where you attended law school, and a little bit of insight into what inspired you to want to practice law. Yeah, so I'm from Toronto, uh, and I attended law school at uh, Osgoode. So I, I wanted to start practicing law because I, I had a background in entrepreneurship and also in uh, nonprofit work. So, you know, work for me, the the real thing that um, that is important for me when it comes to career and work is that I'm helping people and that I'm having an impact on people's lives. Uh, and so I had a background in social justice and nonprofit work, and I thought, okay, how can I help people at uh, a higher level? And so it seemed to me that law school was uh, that natural next step after undergrad. Um, and so I wanted to engage after going through law school, I wanted to engage in social justice law and in law that really had an impact. And so I articled at uh, Innocence Canada, which was formerly known as the Association in Defense of the Wrongly Convicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was helping people who had been wrongfully convicted in the criminal justice system. So just a bit of background as to why I wanted to practice and where I wanted to go. Wow. Interesting. And it's it's kind of, I've learned, you know, speaking to to other lawyers or, you know, people who are going through the process that um, in some ways, 
law school is a vehicle to do what you really want, which is inside, like in, however you want to, it's really about service, right? And so you're looking at social justice issues. There are some people looking in different areas of law, but it, it really is that that useful vehicle that you can use in order to affect change. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the law degree is a powerful degree to have. Um, and so you're able to really, you know, doors doors open for you when you when you have that degree um, in your arsenal. And so it's uh, it's a privilege to be able to practice for sure. I'm curious, and I think a lot of the listeners who happen to be internationally trained might be curious about your experience at Osgood. I think a lot of people hear about Osgood. I think there's also a lot of internationally trained lawyers who actually attend the Osgood LLMs, um, whether it's, you know, we've had guests who have done the LLM in common law, which exempts you from having to complete NCA exams. But I've also had guests on who have completed LLMs in international business at Osgood. So I'm curious, and I think they might be curious about what would it be like to do a regular law degree there? Well, I think I really enjoyed um, Osgood for specific reasons. So there are uh, a lot of great resources that Osgood has. Uh, not only does it have a great reputation, but the quality of education there is great. Um, you know, they have a great mooting program. That's something that I wanted to take advantage of um, until I engaged in some competitive mooting. Uh, and it was great. You know, the coaches are uh, excellent uh, quality. So mm -hmm. I engaged in um, the International Criminal Court uh, trial competition. And uh, Leo Adler is uh, the coach who's been, who's been with Osgood for quite some time, and he's super passionate. Uh, and it was you know, working on that team that we were able to make it to the finals um, in Den Haag in, in The Hague in the Netherlands inside the International Criminal Court, uh, where we were able to argue as a the final team and, and get taught, like the second uh, second place. Oh, wow. and so it's it's opportunities like that that I think um, are great for yeah. for attending Osgood. But at the same time, there's also just a general experience of attending law school, uh, no matter where you go. So mm -hmm. when you attend law school, no matter where you go, whether it's internationally or in Canada, you are put into school with uh, a group of very smart people. And so um, it can wear away a bit at your confidence mm -hmm. uh, because the pressure is so high and there are a lot of uh, mental health challenges as well. Uh, and so, and there's a lot of social posturing as well. So you're not really sure uh, what is true. If people are saying, oh, I didn't really study for the exam, uh, but <laughs> right. you know, I got an A, you know, like that I think is just common generally with, mm -hmm. uh, with law school. And there's a lot of competitiveness as well. Uh, but, you know, on the social aspect, on, on the flip side is I, I really try to find my people. So mm. I think that's true wherever you go, whether it's law school or just, you know, um, a law firm, you try to look for the people that you really gel with, that you connect with. And uh, I've been able to make three of my uh, best friends uh, who I still talk to today. So mm. Osgood for me has a special place, uh, not only because of the mooding aspect um, and the friendships that I've made, um, but also because it was just academically a great experience. But at the same time, keeping it real in that uh, it was just also extremely stressful uh, mm -hmm. and very challenging when you're trying to hit high standards for yourself and everyone's trying to do the same thing. Mm, yeah. 
I think that's right. I, mean, I think you're right. You hit it on the head by saying that I sort of, no matter where you go to law school, I think those sentiments are there. You know, there are some people mm-hmm. who seem to be, or at least are, are like you said, you know, posturing and saying that they can breeze through law school. And there are others who are thinking, you know, am I cut out for this because I got to work mm-hmm. my ass off for it. Um, but no, yeah, that's, that's really good insight. I think that's interesting for people to learn about sort of what Osgood's like. Um, and so you mentioned at the beginning that you had an entrepreneurial spirit and an entrepreneurial drive. Um, and, and then you chose to go to law school to pursue things. So what you've started, I think people who are not aware, you've started a company called Ontario Bar Exam Courses or OBEC. Um, yeah. Just, I'm curious what, uh, what led to you founding OBEC and um, how's, how has that journey been? Yeah, so, um, you know, a bit of background before I started OBEC because I think it adds some context. Mm-hmm. So um, after I left Innocence Canada, I wanted to really understand what it was like to practice law and really have that interaction with clients, the direct interaction with clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started as a sole practitioner, again, in line with that entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, I did that for about a year. And it was in practicing that I realized I actually really enjoyed teaching uh, because what I started to do was teach for the bar exam uh, while as a sole practitioner. Mm -hmm. And so I would host courses and things like that. And I realized, hey, you know what? I really enjoy teaching maybe more than actually practicing law uh, because when when you're teaching, you get really a direct impact. When somebody passes the bar, it's like, you know, you're celebrating their experience, they're celebrating you. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I want to pursue that uh, instead of practice. Uh, and so and, and I also had empathized with students as well. When I first wrote the bar exam, I failed the bar exam and I was mm-hmm. devastated. Um, and, you know, people fail. Uh, and that, that's also the thing that really irked me is that people celebrate their success in public, mm-hmm. but they fail. Uh, and they feel a sense of shame in private. And so it has a, it wears on your mental health when you mm. are writing the exam because you're seeing all of these people pass, uh, but you're not seeing anyone talk about failing. And so you feel not smart. Mm. <laughs> you don't feel smart and it starts to wear away at your mental health. And so when I had that experience, and you know, some, some very esteemed, now that I've been uh, teaching for the bar exam for about four years, some very esteemed colleagues of mine um, have admitted to failing the bar exam as well. And so it's interesting because once you really start to talk to people and open up, they start to really reveal their human side that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, they're not always achieving success after success. And, you know, Michelle Obama, she failed the bar exam as well. So <laughs> there you if, go. You, if you do fail, you know what I mean? If you, yeah. if you do fail, you're in good company. Um, and yeah. all it means as well is that you just don't have, you haven't hit the standard in terms of, having the right strategy to write the exam. And so that's what I found for myself is after I failed, I thought, okay, what can I do differently? How can I change my approach? And it was in changing my approach and developing the strategy for myself that I was able to pass the exam on the second attempt. And so when I was practicing, um, I was still very connected to the law student community. Mm-hmm. And I had students say, you know what, I failed. And I was like, oh, well, why don't you look at it this way? And so I started teaching uh, on the side and students started passing and they were like, oh my gosh, I never looked at the exam in this way. And so I said, okay, there is something here. Maybe I should pursue this further. Um, and so that's what led to me founding Ontario Bar Exam Courses because uh, it was just a great experience to be able to 
give back to uh, the law student community, to empathize with students who had failed and uh, weren't feeling too great, uh, and then to help them pass. And so it was uh, something that I think was mutually beneficial. I was enjoying it. Um, students were uh, very happy that I had started the service. And so I just started focusing on that. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty natural fit for you if, if you enjoy If you, I think for people who I've spoken to who have gotten into teaching, um, particularly in law, I think they discover or uncover the fact that they have got a real passion for it while they're practicing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting that 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 takes place. I mean, um, and, and it sounds like you've you found your niche, definitely. And it was I think it's so important to to normalize or make sure that everybody understands that failure is OK and it is mm -hmm. actually a fact of life. Um, generally speaking, you fail a lot <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. OK. It's it's all about sort of your resilience, right? And how you come away from that failure better and and more in tune with what you have to do to succeed. So I think that that's good sentiment. So let's get into the nitty gritty then. Um, we I deal in particular in the NCA world a lot. Um, the NCA exams, I think. I know them pretty well now, um, just speaking to other internationally trained lawyers, even just anecdotally. Um, but it's almost like the the bar exams are the big monster that everybody's scared of in some way. Like the NCA exams, people say, well, they're difficult, um, but I got through them. But the bar exams are really difficult. So I was wondering if you could get into a little bit about, and through your experience, um, what's different about the bar exam from the NCA exams? Yeah, so the NCA exam, I know that you likely have more familiarity with that than I do because I just focus on, mm -hmm. on the bar exam. But I do know that there's a writing component uh, when it comes to the NCAs. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, so there's a writing component there, um, and I think the focus is on uh, ensuring that you meet a certain standard when it comes to knowledge and application for Canadian law. Mm -hmm. But the bar exam um, is really focused on putting you in the position of the lawyer and um, testing your competencies uh, to ensure that before the law society gives you your license to practice, that you meet the entry-level competencies for a barrister and a solicitor. Uh, and so I think the focus there is more on practice, um, putting you in different situations, whether it's uh, relating to the context of professional responsibility or the uh, different areas of states, real estate, et cetera, that they can give you this context, but they, they can identify a particular practice issue and that because of your self-study, because of the strategy that you're applying and your knowledge, that you understand, okay, when I practice, this is the right thing for me to do. And so I think mm -hmm. the way to think about it is that the NCAs is really getting you to a certain standard for Canadian law, whereas the bar exam is really about, hey, are you ready to practice? Right. So, and, and functionally speaking, the bar exams our solicitor and barrister in Ontario. Um, and are they both seven hours in length yes. each? And that's still yes. the case with the online delivery? No. So the online delivery, they've changed the format. So, um, you know, usually uh, it is around 220 questions. 
um, divided over seven hours. Mm-hmm. And you were writing that in a, a room full of thousands of other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas now with the online format, uh, you're at home. Of course, there are some requirements to meet as well with the technical requirements. But there's 140 questions and you have to complete that over a time period of four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes people, um, they hear that and they think, oh, okay, maybe it's easier because I'm, I'm dealing with less questions. But actually, if you do the math, mm-hmm. um, you have slightly less time per question. And so it can be a bit more difficult depending on what your uh, skill level is when it comes to either accuracy or time with the question. Right. And uh, see, now questions are popping into my head. I'm just genuinely interested now. Um, You talked a little bit about strategy and you had to change your strategy. But Mm -hmm. if I'm going, if I'm answering a question in the bar exam, is it... um, Generally speaking, do I get the answers from my notes or do I get the answers because I've read everything up and down a million times and I've memorized it? Like what's what's the best strategy in your mind to tackle the bar exams? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in if you have a goal, work backwards from that goal. And Mm -hmm. so the exam is going to be uh, 100 percent multiple choice Mm -hmm. questions and you're going to do that in timed format. And so. Part of your self-study should include doing timed practice questions because that is exactly how you're going to be examined. Mm. Uh, And so when it comes to where you draw your answers from, all of the answers, because it's an open book exam, all of your answers are in the materials. Mm -hmm. And so you need, need to be able to develop the skill of finding the answer within a particular time frame, typically a minute and 30 seconds. Mm. And so you know, you may think, okay, well, I just need to find the materials. So do I need to read the materials? Yes, it is very important to read the materials because they give you your context. Mm -hmm. So if you're asked a very, very detailed question about a particular concept, and you haven't read any of the materials, you're likely not going to have the context or the general concept uh, in which to look up in your materials that that tiny detailed question is grounded in. Right. So to answer your question specifically, all of the answers are in your materials and you have to develop the skill and strategy to find those answers uh, within a minute and 30 seconds inside your material. Mm. I can see, like, I know having spoken to people who've completed the NCA, I mean, obviously I've spoken to people who have con- completed the bar too, but we, we talk less about that for some reason. Um, but for people who've completed the NCA exams, it's kind of a similar sentiment in you know, you, you do get bombarded with people out there who say, if you buy my notes, that's all you need, um, mm-hmm. which for some people could be true, but it's always been recommended to me. And now I'm always recommending to others purchasing the textbooks. Um, you know, the required materials are important, too, because of the added context that you get, like that that foundation of knowledge that you're able to get when you read it. Um, and then the notes are your something that you can draw on in the exam to find the answer. But if you have sort of a baseless understanding of mm-hmm. the material and you're relying only on referencing your notes, then, and in particular, I can imagine in the bar exam with those time constraints, you can get overwhelmed pretty quickly. Like if you go through a couple of questions, I can imagine um, where you can't find the answer and you got to keep moving forward, moving mm-hmm. on, moving on. 
you could really you could, you could kind of crumble pretty quickly there. So hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's important to keep in mind is um, context is important. A foundation is based in these exams in particular, NCAN bar foundations are found in the textbooks, right? So um, don't ignore them, in other words, and don't really fall yeah. for the idea that you don't need them. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and you know, there can be some times where, let's say, you haven't finished your reading. So at least if you have to make an attempt to read the materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't finished your reading, that it, it's still not the end of the world because you can still apply the same skills of finding the answer in the materials mm-hmm. uh, to a section that, let's say, you haven't read and still be successful. But you have to have read at least the majority of the materials. And actually, you touched on a great point, Anton, when you said, um, you know, some students will say, hey, buy, buy my notes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's all you need. Um, you know, there are, and I think the students should be aware that there are a lot of bad actors out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very important to do your due diligence. If you are, uh, you know, engaging in self-study for the bar exam and you're like, you know what, I need some extra help. It's very important to go to credible sources mm-hmm. for that help. Just like when you're doing an assignment, um, you know, a legal assignment, you use credible sources. You should do the same for yourself in self-study. Mm-hmm. I've, I can't tell you how many students have come to us and said, you know, they've been ripped off by someone who sold them notes or someone who, uh, you know, charged them a lot for tutoring. And then um, they realized that it wasn't helpful or effective at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's very important to make sure that you know, when you are looking for help, that you really do your due diligence. You, you know, look up the different companies, you read their reviews, talk to people, et cetera, make sure that you're making a good choice for yourself. Mm, great point. Yeah. I think um, just, just to briefly add on that, I think um, I've encountered a lot more of what you said. I mean, there's two scenarios you mentioned. Somebody's sent you know, some notes that are pretty bad. And I think what happens there, I've, I've heard of people come to me too. Um, and those notes are sort of priced too good to be true. Like, you know, mm-hmm. 25 to $50 packages or $25 mm-hmm. packages are quite, quite cheap. And people love the idea of cheap. They think they're sort of winning, you know, yeah. but, but really when it comes to your career um, and, you know, you can't fail this, these exams multiple, like, an infinite amount of times you have to do well i think investing if you do need the help and and there are a lot of people who who don't um but if you do need the extra help then like like you said in investing in yourself and doing the due diligence necessary i kind of like the the parallel you use there like when you're doing research for a legal paper you use credible sources um, and so you should do Mm -hmm. the same for yourself in real life you know that makes total sense yeah. So um, you started the company and I wonder, um, I mean, first of all, that, that's really good information about the bar exam. I, I can't believe really that we'd never on this podcast got into the nitty gritty like that, but I think that's really useful. Um, and now I'm curious more um, in a holistic sort of level, how many of your clients would you say are internationally trained versus domestically trained lawyers? Uh, you know what? It's it's interesting. Uh, I do get a lot of internationally trained students, um, mm-hmm. but also some domestic. I would say maybe it's a 60-40 split. So 60% of the students are internationally trained, 40% are domestic. Mm, okay. And so 
what has been your experience since this podcast is sort of highlighting the journey of internationally trained lawyers, we'll focus on that on that 60%. So what has been your experience in working with internationally trained lawyers? Is there something unique about that group that's a little bit different from domestically trained? Do you find that there are patterns in learning that are effective? Like just, just generally speaking, sort of what's your overall experience been in working with, with the ITLs? Uh, you know what I'd say? So I know that there, um, there may be a notion that there is some advantage that domestically trained law students have over internationally trained law students. But I can tell you that it really does come down to the person, um, mm. how diligent that person is in their self-study, um, you know, how, how much they go, how far they go the extra mile, um, you know, the work that they put in. All of that has to do with really who you are mm. um, and not where you were trained. And so I don't find that there's uh, any general or categorical differences when it comes to uh, teaching internationally trained or domestically trained law students. I really mm -hmm. think it does come down to the person because I've had students who really care a lot about um, self, their self-study and, and uh, really taking all of our advice uh, into into consideration and uh, you know doing our courses and our private tutoring and then I've had some students who they don't really care as much they mm. they haven't read the materials they say hey you know I've, I've heard that I don't have to read at all and they try to look for shortcuts so mm. I found both types of students um, in in both, in both uh, camps both trained yeah. yeah exactly both camps interesting uh, and actually I, you hit on something I, I would be interested so we maybe taking a step back um, from this particular uh, discussion, when somebody looks for help, when obviously they sit down with the material or they look at the list of materials they're going to have to sit down with and they say, no way, I can't do this myself. How do they need to engage with that help? Like you, you picked up on the point that everybody's different. Some people take it seriously, some people don't. I think there's this mentality that if I'm paying you money, Valerie, then you better do whatever you have to do to help me pass and make me pass. And sort of all of a sudden, I take the responsibility away from myself and put it on you. I wonder, does that happen or am I making that up? That does happen. And it's a great point. And I'm happy that you brought that up because mm. ultimately, every, like, you need to understand that the responsibility for passing this exam is always on the student. We never guarantee passing results. And by the way, anyone who do, does guarantee a passing result, you really want to question uh, that person because mm -hmm. you want to think about it like this. You know, you can think about your favorite teacher in school, whether it was high school, whatever level, um, they were a great teacher. Um, mm. You love them for certain reasons. But in that class, you still had students that failed and students that passed. Mm -hmm. The responsibility of meeting the standard is not on the teacher, it's on the student. And mm -hmm. so you have to be putting in the work, you have to be trying your best. And also, even when you are taking it seriously and trying your best, they, there may still be some um, bad habits that you have that are getting in the way of meeting that standard. Right. So I've worked with students who are taking it seriously, but I realized, hey, you know what? They need a little extra time um, focusing on accuracy. So focusing on uh, how to get the question correct because they keep um, 
doing certain things that are mm-hmm. unique to each student. So, for example, uh, I will work with one student, and the answer, the correct answer, will be exactly on the page, and they have the whole strategy down right for getting to the page with the correct answer. But because of their anxiety, because of their nerves, mm. they're skipping over the correct answer and just choosing something because of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so I have to work with that student and say, okay, the correct answer was right here, but you just have to calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's through practice that they're able to overcome that challenge. But again, it's it's on the student to put in the work to address whatever it is that's getting in the way of the passing results. And mm-hmm. of course, we bring our A game at, at OBEC and our team. We truly care about um, our students. In fact, all of my whole team um, I've hired from the internationally trained camp. Mm. Um, and so I'm the only domestically trained uh, lawyer on the team. So what I've done is when I've worked with these students, I've looked for the people who have really been diligent, who've taken it seriously, who really got the strategy and they're excelling mm-hmm. in um, our courses and our private tutoring. And once they pass and we celebrate, I-, I offer them a job because I can see that they have really put in the work and they're passionate about uh, passing because they're like, hey, I feel like I cracked the code for the bar exam. Mm. And um, they're like, I want to I have all this knowledge I want to give back. And I'm like, awesome. Like, let's work together. That's great. I think um, it's a good point. Good point. And I think, yeah, like using the term cracking the code, it sounds like that. It sounds like, you know, everybody's sort of got it in them to do this. Like, you know, you finished, you had completed a law degree um, mm-hmm. for the ITLs. They've completed some of them upwards of 10 NCA exams. So you can write an exam, you know, you're intelligent, but the Mm -hmm. bar exam is a different beast, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, um, I mean, maybe it is, it is really this code that needs to be cracked. And um, if you're going to enlist help to do so, I think it makes sense to enlist the best code crackers (laughs) to to help you. Um, But yeah, no, that's good. So what do you have planned for OBEC moving forward? Like, um, how, like maybe if you could share a little bit about um, how many students come to you um, and, and use your services and sort of, do you have plans to offer additional things or, or what? Yeah, yeah. So our, our plan is to become the number one resource for uh, the bar exam in our field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're always listening to our students and uh, listening to any feedback that we get and trying to implement that. And so we hope and plan to, uh, first of all, we're focused on surviving 2020 because right. 2020 yeah. has been a challenge with um, with everyone who sure. is running a business. But, um, you know, once we get back on track, uh, you know, responding with some more products, um, perhaps some recorded courses in the future. So, you know, if there is anything that, um, Actually, this is an invitation for feedback. We always ask for feedback from our students. But if you are studying for the bar exam and you're like, you know what? I really wish that this particular thing existed, Mm -hmm. uh, send us a note. But in terms of plans, that's the big plan for us is really to be the top service for law students in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of the number of students that come to us, um, I would say, you know, the exam is written three times a year. I would say roughly maybe 40 to 50 students uh, each sitting. So mm. just over 100, 120 students uh, per year is, is what we receive. 
Great. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way and it sounds like you've got a really great sort of company ethos um, about you guys, which is um, quality service, obviously, um, and, and transparency, which is so important mm-hmm. in today's world, especially with everything now being online. Um, and you mentioned, you know, there's some bad actors in the space and it's just overcoming those, those hurdles that do exist. But, um, you know, in a similar regard, I mean, for people who don't know, um, I'm the director of the Toronto School of Management's NCA prep program, and we've partnered with OBEC to offer our students a 10% discount on services precisely because um, I think we've identified OBEC as as one of those really, really great service providers in, in the bar exam prep world. So I'm really excited to watch how, how you develop your content because, you know, as technology goes, so does the innovation of content delivery, I think, which is just a, you know, a bit of a side sort of geeky thing, but it is quite interesting to see ways in which we can help people learn. Absolutely. And one thing that we've, you know, we focused on that point, uh, we have tried to, I've filmed a, a few videos um, providing students, whether they, you know, join us at OBEC or not, uh, providing students with tips on how to study for the bar exam. So mm. if you, you know, if there are any students who have passed the NCAs and you're getting ready to write uh, in this next upcoming sitting, I invite you to check out our free resources uh, at OBEC because they they may be helpful to you when you are planning your self-study. Perfect. And I'll include a link um, to your website uh, in in the description of this this podcast episode as well so people can find that. Um, so, Valerie, I really appreciate your time. I, I think I'll close by just asking you a um, rather simple question that's quite loaded at the same time. Um, <laughs> g- given you went to Osgood and, you know, you articled and you went into um, solo practice and now you're running OBEC, um, where you are today, are you happy with that? And would you do it all again if you knew that you'd end up where you are today? Um, so yes, I am happy uh, where I'm at right now. I think, you know, the process of going to law school and finding your, where you feel like you belong, so finding mm-hmm. your place after law school, I think it's a whole other journey and could be a whole other podcast topic yeah. because uh, I have colleagues who, you know, we've all gone in very different directions, some the traditional route of a law practice, but others uh, not so much and have gone into, you know, different areas. And so in my spirally journey to get here, I am happy uh with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could do it all over again, oh, if I could do it all over again, <laughs> I, you know what? Uh, to be continued on that because yeah. uh, I think I'm still evolving and growing as a person. And I think there are, um, you know, passions that I have along with teaching for the bar exam. Um, I have, you know, other interests and passions. And so I'm, I'm also pursuing those concurrently and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. We'll see where that takes me. Amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to hopefully following up in, in a few months to see how you are progressing in that. Perfect. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks again for your time, Valerie. Thanks, Anton. And that does it for episode 20 of A Shot of Life. Thank you, Valerie, for taking some time to speak with me and offer some really great insights and tips about the bar exam. 
I know that I speak a lot to internationally trained lawyers on this podcast, and we talk a lot about the NCA exams. We talk about NCA tutors and who's out there, who's good, how do you get notes, but we don't really do much talking about the bar exam. So I'm really grateful that Valerie agreed to be on because uh, she's got some unique insights. She has a company, Ontario Bar Exam Courses, um, that, that offers some really great services and her experience in working with internationally trained lawyers and and all of that and helping them understand how to complete the bar exam successfully is is really great work and um, I know she'll continue to do it. So definitely invite you to reach out to Valerie and Obeck if you have questions about the bar, or if you think you might need some tutoring. And uh, until next time, we'll talk again. Mm-hmm.